Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco. This is episode 38, and I am so excited about this one. I really cannot wait. I want to talk about this. Do you ever consider the similarities and differences of home birth and birth in general around the globe? So episode 38 gives us a glimpse into the maternity care of women in Ireland by following Emer's journey where she gave birth initially in the hospital with her first two children and then decided for a home birth with her third. It's an incredible story. It's just full of so much fun and information. So before we get started, I do want to start by thanking our reviewer of the week. And guys, I love these reviews. I really, really do. And this one, I don't know something about it. It just made me laugh so hard. So this one is by We Do Vav We Do. So thank you for that. That's really great. Uh, and the title is Normalizing Something That Should Be Normal. Here we go. I freaking love this podcast. I love Caitlin's voice so much. It is so enjoyable to listen to. I love this. She has such a good myriad of guests that are, in the end, supporting the same goal. She's a good listener, but enters the conversation with perfect timing and always something important to say. I become sad when I hear Caitlin say, gosh, well, thank you a lot for that, because it means it's almost the end of an episode. I do love that she does the episode roundup at the end, summarizing main takeaways. Just a wonderful podcast. I laughed so hard at the gosh well because (laughs) I have oftentimes thought of the things that I say over and over again, and I hear them and I'm like, oh my gosh, Caitlin, why did you just say that again for the thousandth time? Um, But apparently you guys are picking out ones that I didn't even (laughs) notice, like gosh, well, so that is hilarious. Thank you so much. We do what we do. Uh, please email me at Caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com so that we can be very good friends and I can send you a happy home birth podcast sticker because that's hilarious. Um, so next thing, I do want to thank our sponsor of this episode, Carrie LaChapelle, who's a licensed midwife CPM. She offers home birth services in the upstate of South Carolina. She offers mama baby postpartum care after home birth, um, and extras like Benku belly binding and tinctures uh, from Wish Garden in her office. The great thing is that Carrie offers a free consultation, so you can call her at 864-907-6363 or visit her at hatchedathome.com or on Facebook at Hatched Midwife Carrie LaChapelle. So thank you so much for that, Carrie. And I want to try something a little bit different this week. We normally, you know, I'll say, post a screenshot of you listening to the episode and uh, post it to your stories on Instagram, tagging Happy Home Birth Podcast. I would love for you to post a picture this week, a selfie or your surroundings where you are listening to this podcast, because I'd love to see. Now, if you are driving, do not take a picture while you're driving. Wait until you get to your destination. Uh, but send those same way to your stories on Instagram. Tag Happy Home Birth Podcast. So let me know where you are when you are listening to this episode. I feel like that'll be lots of fun. Um, I also, guys, I'm so excited. I'm sorry. I am like buzzing with excitement at this current time um, because I've got two projects going on that I just, oh, I'm like not getting sleep because I'm just so into it and so excited about these things. 
So if you're not on my email list, please head over to the website, myhappyhomebirth.com and sign up for the emails because you're going to be getting information about what's going on. If you are following me on Instagram, you've probably already gotten some hints and tastes of what's happening with a <coughs> home birth, a specifically childbirth education course that I'm working on, um, and a home birth stories book. So, um, if you want to be involved in the book, if you want to submit your story, I would love that. I just need you to email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com. Um, and then with the childbirth education course, I am working with some midwives, some doulas, and some home birth mamas um, to make sure that this is exactly what everybody wants. And I'm giving you all of the information that you need for that. So I know I just threw a whole bunch of stuff at you, but I hope that you can digest all of that. Um, I hope you're as excited as I am. I just, whew, it's amazing all the things that are happening and kind of lining up at this time. And I'm grateful for all of you guys for liking this show and enjoying it and sharing it. I hope that you will continue to do that, to leave a review on iTunes. Um, and I'm going to stop rambling now and head on over to the interview. I hope you love it. Emer, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here and share my story with you and all your listeners. Yes. So if you wouldn't mind, would you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Yep. Thanks, Caitlin. Um, my name is Emer Burke. I'm uh, from the west of Ireland, which is on the western tip of Europe, um, pretty close to America, probably the closest country in Europe to America. Um, and I run my own gym. Um, I deal with pregnant um, and postpartum ladies in my uh, gym. And I also have an online business um, with my partner, uh, Siobhan, and it's called Food Fitness Fertility. And we uh, provide um, food and fitness plans for women that are trying to get pregnant. So, and we have a pregnancy course as well. So we want to support women um, through that journey um, prior to conception and um, getting pregnant and trying to be as healthy as they can be while they are pregnant. That's amazing. So you have three children. Did you start your, did you start all of this before your children or did this come after? Yeah, good point. So I'm also married and I have three kids. My eldest son is five and um, he just started school this year. I have a toddler, she's two and a half um, and a new baby who is three weeks old, which is why we're really having this conversation today, which is we can't wait to get into. But um, yes, I'm an accountant by trade. So I would have worked um, as an accountant for 10 years. Um, my company was closing down and I I was always interested in sports. So I trained as a as a gym instructor and a personal trainer. And um, when I was let go from my company, that's uh, something that I branched into um, as I started having kids. I wanted to do something that I was able to be at home with them um, and raise my own kids as well as have um, my own business and, and keep my uh, satisfaction in, in a career um, going as well. So yeah, that's how that started. Very nice. So how did that influence the way that you prepared for childbirth? Oh, completely. But it's taken, it's it's a journey. I think first time around, I was, um, well, relatively young. I suppose people get ma married a bit later now. We were 28. We decided to try to get pregnant with our first. Um, it happened quite easily. Um, I got pregnant and I would have been interested in, in birth. Um, I wouldn't have ever 
been fearful of it per se. Um, people close to me would have had kids a couple of years previously um, and I was always very interested in it. So I would have done a little bit of research first time around. I would have attended the antenatal classes in the hospital and, and read a couple of books. But to be honest, I was quite green looking back now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I thought I may have been prepared um, but my pregnancy went really well. I was quite healthy and um, the baby was always in a good position and nothing untoward came up in any of my visits. So in Ireland, the whole hospital system is quite different to America. Um, we have um, midwife led clinics within the hospital setting. So if you are um, classed as low risk, you can go to the midwife's clinic and um, throughout your pregnancy and you have shared care with your with your doctor. So with your own GP. So every second visit, you would go to your GP and then you would go into the hospital to have your mid- midwife visit. Um, and then you would also be assigned under an, an OBGYN, but you would see them on your first visit at your 12 week visit and you would see them after your 40 weeks. Mm. where they then might decide um, what your plan of action would be, would you go over. So in the majority of hospitals in Ireland, they have like a 10-day policy, um, post-dates, and then they would talk about induction um, with you after 10 days. Some hospitals in Ireland have 14 days post-due um, date. So that's how, so I was low risk, so I was attending the midwife's clinic within the hospital. So you go in, you, you might be lucky enough to see the same midwife every time you go in, um, or you could see somebody different in there. But I'm from a relatively small city, so there wouldn't be, you know, there might be only 10 midwives within the clinic. So you, you'd get used to seeing the faces. Um, and to be honest, I built up a lovely relationship with them. And um, I went into labour on 39 plus six with my first. So I actually never saw the consultant after the 40 weeks, the OBGYN. So I never had any discussion about induction or what might happen or anything. So it all went um, very smoothly like that. Um, Laboured at home for a little bit. Um, had my uh, show on a Thursday afternoon, had been having like Braxton Hicks and maybe early labour for maybe a week or two prior, had a couple of false alarms where maybe the Sunday night prior had been counting through um, timed contractions. And um, I had an uh, acupuncture appointment the following morning and I actually had a little bit of spotting and bleeding the night before and I mentioned it to my acupuncturist and she was a little bit concerned and she said no look will you just go into your GP um your doctor and talk it through with her and my doctor sent me into the hospital that morning and they checked they did a a VE of a general exam when I went in and they said oh you're actually two and a half centimeters and that was fairly well on for my first and obviously my my cervix was quite effaced and I was soft and they wrote on my chart admission awaiting onset of labor but nothing kicked off so they monitored me that afternoon and nothing kicked off so I said oh please can I go home there's nothing happening so my husband came in and picked me up when we went home so that was on the Monday afternoon um and again kind of pains on and off all week until Thursday um so I had a, a heavy enough mucus show on Thursday afternoon I rang the midwife's clinic um, before they finished at five o'clock because they changed shifts. And they said, because you were two and a half centimeters on Monday, you know, don't don't wait around. I'm about 45 minutes from the hospital or maybe an hour if the traffic is quite bad. And so my husband came home from work and we had dinner and then he was like, how are you feeling? And I was like, oh, yeah, actually, we might be going to the hospital soon. (laughs) And he said, what do you mean? And I said, oh, yeah, we'll go in. Now, looking back, I definitely went, went in too early. (laughs) <laughs> that um, first time is so hard to know oh so hard to know and 
I suppose I was just anxious because I was two and a half centimetres on the Monday. But, you know, you, you know, you just don't know how long these things are going to last. But I, I was uncomfortable in the car going in, but I, I wasn't timing contractions. I, you know, they weren't hot and heavy. So when I got in there, there's a pre-ward that you can go into that's um, like pre-labor ward. Um, they don't they don't admit you to the labor and delivery until you're in active labor. And so they monitor you for a little bit. And I actually knew one of the midwives that was on. So we were having the chats and they were laughing, kind of going, you know, oh, Emer, you're not in active labor yet. And they did a vaginal exam and I was four centimeters and I was delighted with that, you know. And then after 12 o'clock, things started to heat up a little bit um, and uh, I got uncomfortable and the contractions started getting stronger and um, they monitored me. I lay down on the bed and they monitored me with the CTG for a good half an hour and I was extremely uncomfortable throughout this. And then we went down to the bath. There's a nice bath in, in the labour ward in, in our hospital and it got, just got very intense at that moment and it all kind of got on top of me and they moved us down to the labour ward and a new midwife did an exam and she checked me and she was like, oh, you're only you're only four centimetres. The dreaded only four centimetres, five hours in. Oh, no. I know, not something that I wanted to hear first time around. So I asked for the epidural at that point. It was like four, five o'clock in the morning and I said, OK, we've no sleep. You know, the the I didn't know much more, I suppose. Um, and the epidural came uh, or the anaesthetist came and administered the epidural. But at this point, it was so hard. I couldn't sit still. I was in I was in, you know, well into labour at this point. And the midwives changed, the shifts changed. And the next midwife came and she checked and she said, you're eight and a half, nine centimetres. Why did you get the epidural? Oh. You have the baby by now. I know. You just don't, I didn't know and I didn't have the support strong enough and I didn't create the support for myself and I didn't know, have the knowledge at the time to know any different, you know. But sure. to be honest, and I like epidurals are, I'm I'm not going to badmouth them. They are an amazing tool when they're required um, and they work really well when they're required. Um, but it just kind of, it's it was a dagger in my heart when she said that, you know, I, I really felt going into even my first labor, even though I was quite green, I still kind of felt, oh, God, I, we our bodies are made to do this. We can do this. You know, it mightn't be that painful. Why is everyone telling me, oh, you'll be ringing to get the epidural on the way into the hospital? Like, you know, I, I was like, oh, I want to prove them wrong. But at the same time, I hadn't enough research and preparation done myself to do that looking back. Um, but to be honest, when I got the epidural, everything was went really swimmingly. I the, the midwife was lovely. She waited until I felt the urge myself, and I pushed my first baby out in like less than ten minutes without any tear or stitches. And it was all very. I was quite upright in the bed. I had my knees right up, held myself quite upright, you know. And that's something that I tell a lot of my own clients in the gym as well. Is if you do get the epidural, you don't necessarily have to be flat on your back. You know, you can right. have the cushions up behind you. You can get yourself into a position help your husband to get yourself into a position that can be more more advantageous to giving birth you know upright rather than laying flat um, and they're like oh really can you do that and I'm like yeah you can you know it is possible mm -hmm. to get your body into other positions and side lying even is fantastic as well so um so that was my first birth and yeah it, it you know it went quite quickly for a first time as well and and I recovered quite well after it I had a fussy baby he was difficult in first time around again and um, it was all new and it's all such a learning curve 
Um, so roll forward two years later, two and a half years later, and I got pregnant on my second. Um, my gym was going really well at this stage. I had, since my first birth, um, gotten the birthing bug, I suppose, or and had started reading more books and researching more um, and uh, listening to, to podcasts as well a little bit at that time, but not as much as I did with my third. Um, and I uh, had another uncomplicated pregnancy um, and all went really well. The night before she was due, uh, we went to bed, um, got romantic, which I always mm-hmm. tell everyone helps the situation. It sure does. Oh, my God, it's the only thing. Went to sleep an hour later, woke up with some pains, went to the toilet. My water slightly broke, like not a gush or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, came back in, sat on the side of the bed and kind of said to myself, OK, you know, I'll start counting these. So they were every five or six minutes. And for about 20 minutes, I sat on the side of the bed and then I decided to wake my husband up at half 12. Um, and I said, yeah, I think I'm in labour. And he was like, well, are you or aren't you? And you know yourself, like you never really fully know until nearly, the, you know, you're, it could be going on forever. But I said, yeah, no, I think I am. And he said, OK, we'll ring his mother because she was going to mind our, our first son, Freddie, when we went into the hospital. And um, so she arrived down to our house at around 1 a.m., um, but they were completely manageable. I was completely fine. But for some reason, I just knew I had to go into the hospital. I, I just didn't want to be at home. Um, so again, our hospital is about 45 minutes away. So we drove in um, and we got in there at about quarter to two, um, 1.45, quarter to two. And a student midwife um, came down and took our history and what was going on and did the first round of ops and did an exam and kind of thought, yeah, yeah, things are happening all right, but I'm not quite sure. I'll I'll get my midwife to come down and have a look. So the second midwife, the main midwife came down and I, it, she was like, yeah, things are starting for you, but I'm not really sure. Do you want to go back? Because it was in the middle of the night, you go straight into the labour ward. And she said, do you want to go down to the pre-labour ward? And I said, no, no, I really don't want to go down to the pre-labour ward. Um because I was just having visions of being laying on the bed strapped up to the CTG. And I said, no, no, no. I said, get me a ball and I'll go down to the bath. And my husband at this point was like, the bath. Oh, no, the last time it got really hot and heavy down there and you hated it. And I was like, oh, no, no, I want to go down to the bath this time. So I think we went down to the bath at around quarter past two. And I was in the bath for about a half an hour. And I kind of got like three contractions in a row and then had a break. And got three contractions in a row and had a break. Oh. And then I, the, the student midwife came down to check the baby's heart rate. And my husband was like, she needs to get out of the bath. So the two of them helped me out of the bath about five to three. I walked back to the room. Um, the midwife was there and she said, oh, have things started to pick up? And I said, they have. And she said, hop up on the bed. And I said, I don't have time. And I hopped up on the bed and turned around and they put the back of the bed up and Next contraction, her head came out and the third contraction, her body came out. Oh, so much faster this time. So much faster. Um, Yes, it was intense. It was intense in the bath when I was getting those three contractions together. But to say that I had probably strong pains for maybe 40 minutes. Wow. And, And good on you for knowing like, okay, I just have this feeling that it is time for us to go to the hospital, you know? Yeah, and the same time to go to the hospital, time to kind of say, no, I don't want to go down to the labor ward or the pre labor mm-hmm. ward, you know? But like I kind of have said to a couple of different people, th- there was a few moments in that labor as well that kind of stood out, like definitely the bath and my position in the bath. I was upright and I had my hands over the side, you know, I wasn't laying back in the bath. Definitely probably getting out of the bath just in that transition and walking back to the room 
probably helped the baby just jump right down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so there was a few different things that if I'd gone, you know, forks in the road, that if I'd gone another direction, maybe the labour wouldn't have progressed and went as well as it did. That's a great so, point. Um, yeah. So 3 a.m. So we left our house at 1 a.m. and she was born in the hospital at 3 a.m. Oh, wow. So I have a question about the hospital setting there. After you have your baby, how long do you typically stay at the hospital? Um, it depends on a couple of different things. You can, They advise to stay for a night if it's your first and sometimes two nights. They want to see, obviously, that the baby is pooing and weeing and that you are going to the toilet and that you're all as well and that you're you're well enough to go home. But you could stay a third night if you felt like you wanted the support from the hospital. But to be honest, they're run off their feet. They don't have the support overly to give you there unless you've had a section or unless you're there's something wrong with you and the baby. Mm-hmm. So you are better off kind of getting that support system going at home rather right. than being in the hospital. First time round, I had Freddie at half nine in the morning, 9.30 a.m. I stayed the night and I was home by lunchtime the next day. Oh, wow. So I just, stayed, mm, I just stayed one night. With Tia, I had her at 3 a.m. And I was in my mother's house having lunch at 1 p.m. That same day? Like technically the same day right so 3 a.m in the morning and then you left that day yeah so I rang my mother-in-law at half seven seven thirty a.m like four hours after giving birth to talk to my son and I was like are you awake and she said yeah and you've had the baby she couldn't get over it because we only left the house at 1 a.m and she was like how have you had the baby already and then she said sure we'll get up and I said Kenneth my husband is in bed and she was like what and I said, he's gone home already. He left the hospital at 6 a.m. to go and get the car seat. And I was oh, like, yeah. he's, probably, he's probably gone into bed. And she was like, what? She just couldn't fathom how we'd had the baby. He was already at home. He had gotten into bed. And yeah. <laughs> that so, is too cute. <laughs> so I was like, get the car seat. We need to get out of here. I, you know, that first night, the one night that I did stay with Freddie, it's just so hard being in the hospital. You're worried about your baby crying and waking up the other babies. And it's, you know, you're there on your own. Like your your partner can't stay with you. And oh, like the baby are. Oh, that's uh, they, no fun. No, and they're, the baby's fussing and you don't, your milk isn't in. And it's a lot easier to be at home and for the dad to hold the baby and walk around the house if you need a break, you know. Um, like, so, you know, it's I, I tell a lot of people to have their support system at home as yes, best they can. Yes, you know? absolutely. Are the wards open there? So it's not individual rooms. You've got several moms in one. There's a mix. So we have we, we don't have pri- we have a couple of private hospitals, but private patients, private uh-huh. maternity patients are also tended to in the public hospital. Uh-huh. So you could have six in a ward, with six moms with six babies uh-huh. that are public. Ooh. And then there might be five private small private rooms but if you're private you could also end up you could also end up in a in a ward with six other moms as well depending on how many rooms are available so and the maternity section is always really really busy like I bet you know it's yeah that's they have timelines that's why and I suppose that's why we'll get into my decision for home birth for the third and everything that I had learned in between and all of that so yes yeah actually, so, if you'll go ahead with that I I that yeah. was my next question was what what made you decide after the the two hospital births to yeah. switch to home birth so obviously my second hospital birth went really well mm-hmm. and like I but that went really well but at the same time I kind of thought whoa if we'd stayed at home another half an hour 
we might have been in trouble going to the hospital in the car or, you know. So I kind of thought when I get pregnant again, um, we need to nearly go into the hospital the week before if unless I don't want to have this baby in the car, you know. Um, and then I started um, getting into um, reading some more books, listening to some more podcasts. Um, listening to all of my clients that had stories from the hospital, their own birthing stories and um, talking to friends of mine. And I just thought, why don't you know, I would love to give birth at home. It's such a natural event. And I'm obviously well able, you know, physically able to do this all going well. If I have a healthy pregnancy, why, why couldn't we try this at home? So I started to explore um doula training so I got really interested in 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 doula support as well and about six months before I got pregnant I signed up for a course for a workshop for a weekend um but they uh, I couldn't attend the first workshop in March and then I got pregnant over the summer and they were running Dunn International were running the second workshop in September and I was like oh this will be fantastic so when I attended the the doula workshop um I was actually about 11 weeks pregnant at the time um so it was so it was a lovely thing to do when I was pregnant actually I think I soaked in more information than I would have had I not been pregnant I bet Um, I was just so interested in everything so it it was such a there was 20 women in the room that were doing the workshop as well it was such a a a variation of people and why they wanted to become a doula and some of them had traumatic birth experiences and they wanted to offer women the emotional support that maybe they didn't know was available or that they wish they had during their own experience um others like me were just really interested in the whole birth process and because of the gym and because of all the women that I deal with on a daily basis kind of thought why not I I'm already giving them the physical support in the gym I would love to give them the emotional element to it and learn some more from that side there was also midwives in the room qualified midwives and and younger girls that are training to be midwives that were becoming disillusioned with the system and realizing that their roles within the hospital were charting and fitting out charts and fitting out paperwork and and monitoring and not actually being able or have the time to give the women the emotional support that they know was so crucial to having a successful birth you know like it's a massive element of 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 the birth that the midwives um, felt that they couldn't provide within the hospital because of the structure of the hospital because of hospital policies because of timelines because of you know all of these kind of things that happen so um yeah so the the doula training was amazing and there was a couple of women in the room that had had home births and I you know we all discussed some of our previous birth experiences and the um Tracy who was giving the who was doing the training said have you applied for a home birth email and I said no actually I haven't and they were all like why not and I said I don't know I bit reserved I'd said it to my doctor when I went in when I was pregnant and she did a little scaremongering um and I was bit I I knew myself that I wouldn't be anxious about it but I was anxious about other people's reactions I was anxious about how my family would react to it I was worried about you know keeping it a secret or not keeping it a secret or you know going through all of that and I appreciated the fact that the emotional work that has to be done to have a successful home birth and then I was kind of like okay if I'm dealing with other people's anxieties the whole way through am I you know will it be successful so at that at that time I was like oh no you know I'll just make the hospital as much of a home birth as I can and I know that I've had a good hospital birth and I'll just do that for my third 
But then I went home and I discussed it with my husband. And I, the more we talked about it, the more I was like, I'm going to resent this if I don't look into it. Mm. Um, so I started looking into it um, with the support of a couple of midwives, friends that I have midwives and um, a couple of friends that have had home births that really highly recommended it. And they said, no, Emer, please look into it. You're, you know, you're perfect kind of candidate for it. And um, why not? In Ireland, there are two different ways that you can have a home birth. You can do it privately and you can hire um, private lives and you can get it covered from your health insurance or you can actually get this and buy through our HSE, which is our public hospital system. So I applied publicly. Um, I'm based in the west of Ireland, so it's quite a small region. There are only three midwives that cover it. Um, and so they have to be available around your due date. So that's the trick. So you contact the midwives if they're available on your due date, then and they come out and assess your risks and if and all, if you fit into their terms and conditions and they classify you as low risk and it's sent to the director of midwifery and they're happy to let you go through the system then you can you can go through it so I went publicly and um, so my midwife would visit me at my house for all of my prenatal visits so you also have shared care with your GP so every second visit you would go to your own GP um, and they would just see how you were and check your blood pressure and check the baby and so on. So the difference, I suppose, is a, a, to comment, and I, this is what's so amazing about having a home birth, the difference in your care prior to having the baby. And it's not just about having that home birth. It's about that care that you receive the whole way through your pregnancy. You know, it's just amazing to have the same woman come to your house or you go to their clinic, What you know. But in my situation, she came to my house she got to know my family. She got to know my husband and my kids and she would come and the appointments might be an hour long. And she didn't just come and take your blood pressure and listen to the baby heart, the baby's heart rate. She would come and ask you how you were and ask you how, how you felt and what was going on in your life and checked in with you emotionally and then did all the physical checks and, you know, prepared and talked about how we were going to achieve this home birth. So it was truly a lovely, lovely experience. Um. And we had, again, an uncomplicated pregnancy. So I've been so lucky. I've had three very uncomplicated pregnancies. Um, nothing happened. Um, the baby was always in a really good position. And, um, yeah, the only thing now that happened during this pregnancy that was a little bit different, with uh, seven weeks to go, my husband plays um, our national sport hurling, and their team were in um, the final stages of the competition. And in the semi-final, um, he got injured, really badly injured. Oh, no. And yeah, had to have surgery. So the tendons of his hamstrings um, detached from the, his hip. Yes. Ouch. So it's, it's a very uncommon injury. Somebody fell down on his back and basically he fell forward and snapped them off the bone. Ooh. So there's actually only one surgeon in Ireland that will do the surgery that will reattach them. Um, and if he, he ha didn't get them reattached, he was looking at maybe not being able to run properly again. And he's quite sporty and we're both quite sporty. And he coaches and manages teams and loves going to the gym. So not being able to do those things would have severely impacted his quality, our quality right. in life going forward. So he had to go down and have the surgery. So, yeah, he had a big surgery seven weeks to go at the end of my pregnancy and was told that he was going to be in a full leg brace at a 90 degree angle for six weeks. Oh, no. So here was me doing all this emotional and physical um, preparation the whole way through my third pregnancy, 
listening to positive breath stories, listening to my meditation tracks at nighttime, trying to be calm with the kids and not being as stressed. And I closed my gym at Christmas, so I would have a lovely lead up and I wouldn't be, you know, physically too drained. And I was having all of these lovely visits with my home birthing midwife and everything was going swimmingly. And then bang, Mm -hmm. six weeks to go. Minding a five-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and a 35-year-old man. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that sounds so difficult. Having to put his socks on, his underwear on Ooh. every morning. Help him up the stairs. Oh, you when know, you when barely you put just, your own socks and underwear on. I could. Luckily, I don't get that big. And That's physically, good. I'm very well able. So, like, having that conversation with the surgeon would have been completely different had I been having a difficult pregnancy or right. had I not been as physically capable as I was do you know what I mean mm-hmm. so we were lucky in that respect but to say that I got overwhelmed a few times in those weeks is an understatement and then I was worried about how this was emotionally was going to impact me and you know like then I was probably maybe reading into it all a little bit too much and yeah so there were moments there were there were a few weak moments in those few weeks but we got through it together and it was difficult for both of us I'm sure he felt oh yeah crappy lying on the couch not being able to do anything you know and so he got the brace off so frustrating yeah it is and and it was difficult for both of us but we just had to grit our teeth and take each day as it came and but you know yourself when you're nine months pregnant and you just want to sit down on the couch and not have to wash up after dinner that what or not have to empty the dishwasher that was not an option for Mm -hmm. me those last few weeks and so yeah so that was the lead up to the birth Um, He got the brace off on Friday, the 30th of March, and um, he was on crutches for a few days after it, but actually got quite mobile quite quickly and got the strength back in his legs. So it was great. So I was I was wanting to get to my due date and beyond. So my due date was the 4th of April, and I did not want this baby coming before that because of the situation that was happening at home. You know, the home birth would have been very difficult had he been in a brace and he wouldn't have physically been able to help me through anything he wouldn't have been able to put the pool up or do any of that you know so mm-hmm. um there were kind of moments of oh god maybe should we go into the hospital but at the same time he wouldn't have been able to drive me into the hospital so um That's a good I point. Don't know how that would have went um so yeah he got stronger as the week went on um and I went over so I went over so I had my other two I had Freddie the day before his due date and I had Thea on her due date so I always talk to my clients about you know preparing yourself to go over but you never really fully know what it's like until you're you're gone beyond the other side of it and of course the due date is an estimate and we all know that um but I you know it is and I wanted to go over this time I really really did so we got there we got through the first weekend got through the first few days And then on the Monday morning, my midwife came to visit and she um, did a quick check and she said, yeah, you're very favorable. You're you're about two centimeters. You're nice and soft. You know, would you like me to do a a sweep? Um, And she was actually going on holidays next in a few days. um, And we were quite worried that I could have been having to be transferred into the hospital because um, the way I explained to you earlier, there are only three midwives in our Mm -hmm. region that do home births and you obviously need a second midwife for delivery. So oh, yeah. I had so the second midwife was on call, but the third mid for my birth, but the third midwife wasn't. So we had to get confirmation that the third midwife would take over, and we were a bit we we didn't want to have the conversation until I went over because we kind of thought that I wouldn't go too far over 
based on my previous births. But of course, you never know. So on the Monday morning, we were kind of starting to have these conversations that we really didn't want to have. And my midwife was like, no, look, Emer, we'll fi- fine. We'll do a sweep. You're nice and favorable. Things will get. And I was having pains um, a little bit. Things were happening a little bit on and off for the week prior. So um, it all kind of kicked off that day. Then I was having way more pains than I usually would. I went for a walk in the local park with my toddler. We came home. We decided to clear out the garage. The only thing, again, was that my two and a half year old had been sick all weekend. So she had a really high temperature, really high fever. And she had three really bad nights sleep. And then I tried to get to bed in the middle of the day. I said, come on, Thea, let's go have a nap. And she was like, it's not nap time. It's not bedtime. I don't want to. And I was like, I know a toddler like that. I really want to go to sleep. I really need to sleep. Because, again, I think I knew that I was probably going to go into labor quite soon. And just when we were lying down, my phone rang and it was my son's school ringing to tell me that he had a fever and was sick. I needed to be picked up from school. And I said, oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Throw me a bone. Throw me a freaking bone here. Can I have have one nice thing? (laughs) So I went over and collected him and his fever was 39.5. It was really high. Um, That's like Celsius. So it's about 102, I think. I was thinking, I I don't know that. (laughs) I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. (laughs) Sounds bad. Bad. Um, and he just went to sleep. We gave him pain relief and he went to sleep and we decided to clear out the garage. And I was having pains, you know, typical misting. Let's clear out the garage before I have a baby in my right, arms. Right, of course. Um, and the day went quite well. And then we went to bed that night, got the kids to bed. They were both quite sick. So we knew that they were probably going to wake up that evening. I had texted my midwife and said, look, I'm kind of having way more pains on and off today than I've had any other day but nothing is stopping me in my tracks nothing is regular but my bump is tightening and they weren't even period pains but you know my bump was I was feeling something I was feeling a lot of lower back pain or whatever mm-hmm. so we went to bed got romantic again at half 10 10 30 went to the bathroom and came back and had a whopper of a contraction Ooh. literally two minutes later oh man this was about quarter to 10 45 I think and I said to my husband if I can't get to sleep in the next 30 minutes, I'm probably in labor, you know, as in if it's keeping me awake and these pains are coming. And he said, OK. And then five later, I got another one and I said, oh, we better ring the midwife. I didn't give myself again the half an hour. I said, I just knew. I said, no, we better ring the midwife. <laughs> this is so it. we thought we thought we rang her before. But she said on her uh, phone, it was four minutes past 11 when we rang her. I put the TENS machine on upstairs and we went downstairs and started walking around I was timing my contractions and they were kind of coming every four minutes and they were literally I'd press boost on the TENS machine and breathe. Would you mind explaining a TENS unit for people that don't know what that is? So I never used it with my other two labors Um, and one of my friends um, recommended it and especially when I was at home so you want to you want to have everything within your toolkit at home because obviously um other types of pain relief that you can get in a hospital aren't available to you so you want to make sure that you have enough at home to get you through it so we had the birth pool ready but a TENS machine is like a a, they're little pads that you can put on your lower back that send little electric kind of not shocks but um I don't need pulses I think Mm -hmm. that's what you might call them yeah um and they basically divert your attention 
So if the front of your stomach is kind of tightening or your front, they don't, you know, you're, you're getting this massage type of pins and needles pulsing through the pads of the TENS machine in your lower back and they divert your your nervous system to to pay attention to that instead. So you can put it on. It's recommended that you put it on quite early in labor, because if you leave it to put it on later in labor, it can kind of irritate you. So I was conscious of that. So as soon as I had those two big contractions upstairs, I said, "Okay, first things first, let's put on the TENS machine. And it's recommended as well to practice with it a little bit before labor so that you can get used to the feeling of it again. Because And no more than you should practice everything. You should practice your acupressure points. You should practice sitting on the ball. You should practice all of the different pain relief type of mechanisms that you intend on using during labor. So, again, you you, you notice whether you like them or not, because when labor starts, you, you, your body goes into it. You know, your body and your mind goes into a space that you've never been in before. So you don't really know how you're going to take to different things. So it's important to practice and to trial things out. So we had tried the TENS machine and I thought I liked it and I did. So you can put it on a certain level. So I put it on level two and it's just like a constant little and then I pressed boost for a contraction and it would just intensify and then I would turn the boost off. So the contractions at this point were coming every four minutes and but they were completely manageable. I with all of my meditating and with all of my um, hypnobirthing type of um, practice that I'd done I can't even say whether I used those deep type of breaths in that moment it was just air coming in and air going out and focus on that for for the length the duration of the contraction and then it would pass and I turned the boost off and that was it and I'd walk around the kitchen and as as the as the 30 minutes kind of progressed I ended we have a bedroom downstairs and I ended up getting up on the bed and being on all fours and then our midwife arrived so she arrived at about 11.35 p.m. Mm-hmm. and came in and said, how are things going, Emer? And I said, yeah, like the contractions are every four minutes. They're OK, but I feel like I'm kind of after getting two in a row. I kind of feel like they're intensifying. And she said, OK, stay, work away there. Um, I'll come in and out. I'll go right in and out to the car and get my bags and get everything sorted. And Kenneth, my husband, was still filling the birth pool at this stage. And she was looking at him kind of half laughing, I think. And um. <laughs> And she came in and she said, I, I, I think, will I check, will I examine you? And I said, oh, I really don't feel like I could lie back and let you examine me. I just getting in that position was was not something that I wanted to be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, OK, I think I'm going to ring the second midwife because there is supposed to be two midwives at the delivery. The ideal situation is that there right. are two midwives at the delivery. So she went and rang um, Rebecca, our second midwife. And I think this was 1145. And she came back in and when she came back into the room, she said, how are things going? And I said, I haven't had a break. Like, I don't think I turned boost off for 15 minutes. It was Mm. constantly on. Um, And at this point, I was up on fours and I looked down and there was fresh um, blood on the plastic sheets that she put underneath me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was feeling the pressure. I was feeling it a lot in my lower back. So the midwife was applying a lot of counter pressure to my lower back, which felt amazing. And Kenneth was applying pressure to my shoulders, which felt lovely. She asked him to go and get a face cloth and put, and she said, don't delay. Um, And she was like, he was putting a face cloth on my forehead. Um, And she said, I think this baby's going to come soon. Um, Do you feel that, Emer? And to say to, whether I felt it or not, I did. I, I felt a lot of pressure, but at the same time, I was like, this is only... 10 minutes in like what the hell this couldn't be what you know and as quick as my second labor went I think I was still mentally going ah no no there's still a nice bit of time to go here you know mm-hmm. but at the same time I don't know how rational you your mind is 
is at that moment in time. Uh, I don't know. either. <laughs> not at all. Like not very rational. So again, like time is all very blurry. But yeah, to say I didn't turn off boost. So tens was on the whole time. The midwife supplying counter pressure um, and the contractions were really close together. Like there were only five or ten seconds between them. There was no break at all. And I know from listening to other people's birth stories and um, that you can get this moment of you can get after transition, you can get a, maybe, you know, a nice five or ten minute kind of gap where mm-hmm. people can relax and almost go to sleep. And then it's time to get the baby out. But I, I didn't have that at all. It all was happening very quickly. And um, so she said, I can see his head or hip or I can see the baby's hair. And um, it kind of took maybe four. And I, I, I myself put my hand back and, you know, helped my perineum stretch a little bit. And the midwife applied some some pressure there as well or some help in that area. Um, and his head broke through um, with a big cry straight away. Oh. And then with the next contraction, his body came out and he did a big wee. Oh, wow. So very active immediately <laughs> immediately so she we I was quite close to the bed so the midwife barely didn't even really catch him like he kind of came down in between me mm-hmm. and I sat back on my heels and she guided him up onto me and she had actually warned us prior to um labor she you know the last couple of visits she said if I don't make it don't ever pull the baby up too high because she mm-hmm. said sometimes the cord can be quite short and I had never heard that before. I had never come across that anywhere in, in any of the research or any of the stories that I listened to or read. I'd never heard that the cord could be quite short. So she said, just be conscious of that. Don't ever kind of really pull the baby up. Let it kind of come up and just rest it on your stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we did. And the cord actually was quite short. So um, it was quite difficult in the first half an hour to get him latched on because the cord was quite short. Right. So we were like, oh, it's a boy and it was lovely. And he just lay on my chest and lay on my belly. And he was he was quite he was crying a lot, actually, at the start. And the midwife didn't have caramel. She didn't have to do any of the checks, really, because she heard him cry. And she saw him all for her. She saw him wee and his color was great. So he basically just lay there and we latched him on and he was sucking within, I don't know, 10 minutes. Um, And it was all beautiful and all very like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna it was calm of course and there was no mo you know I definitely let out a few primal type of sounds but nothing too loud or nothing too crazy and um it was all very beautiful and in our downstairs bedroom it was so the second midwife arrived at 12:45, so half an hour after he was born and she was like oh look at I missed it all um, and then at around 1 a.m., we were still waiting for the placenta to come. At around 1 a.m., we heard the screaming at the top of the stairs. My five-year-old had woken up with a high temperature and was vomiting. All oh, no. Oh, gosh. That's that's what nightmares are made of. <laughs> yeah. So the other side to a home birth. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if your if your kids did sleep through it. So he, so he slept through the actual birth, but but woke up sick later. And he woke up his sister because he was screaming so much. Of course. And she, oh. well, she had been better. So this was her first night of going to bed without a fever. And she woke up. So my husband was upstairs trying to settle them. And he got them both back to bed in our room. And he, But he was trying to come back down to me. But every time he tried to come back down, our son would wake up looking for oh. him. 
<laughs> he kind of ended up sleeping up there for the rest of the night. But it was oh. beautiful. And at around the placenta came and it was all very, all happened lovely. And at around 2 a.m., um, our midwife said, why don't you try to go to the toilet yourself? And once you've, that's happened, we're kind of good to go. So I went to the toilet and came back and they changed the sheets on the bed and they dressed the baby in a vest and he came back on me and we they set us up on the bed and they, they she set me up lovely side feeding side lying and she said mm. this is the best position now for the rest of the night because yep. you both rest and you can latch him on there whenever you want to and you won't be sitting up you can lie down and just relax so that was beat 3 a.m they left and out the house the towel wash was on the sheet wash was done the house was all clean you know a lot of people are worried about home births being messy or how does it all happen? It's all very clean and tidy and controlled and they're super duper experienced at containing everything if you want it to be contained. Um, and yeah, it was beautiful. They got me tea and toast and they were like, oh, I, I'm not really a big tea drinker. And in Ireland, tea is very, you know, you can't do anything without having a cup of tea. You call somebody's house and it's, it's the first thing they do is offer you tea and it's very... And um, they were like, you haven't drank your tea yet. And I was like, I'm actually not much of a tea drinker. It was like, I'd love a glass of wine. Is there a bottle open in the fridge? But um, <laughs> that I will say that's one of my favorite parts about home birth is I had a mimosa toast at the at, with my daughter's first birth. So some oh. champagne and orange juice. Oh, yum, yum, yum. That would have been <laughs> nice too. Except I would have been having it on my own. My husband upstairs. The tea yeah. Toast. But oh. um, yeah, so it was beautiful. And we text... Um, we text our two families and my father-in-law, my my in-laws live next door to us. So my father-in-law called in a quarter at 6.45 before he went to work. And he came in the front door and he went straight upstairs because he thought we were upstairs. And he saw my husband in bed with the two kids. And I was like, I'm downstairs with the baby. <laughs> <laughs> so he came in to see us. And then my mother-in-law came in and my mother came out. And it was lovely. We did a lovely day at home all the next day. And the midwife came again later that night. So he was born Monday night, Tuesday morning at 12.08. Or at 12.08 and the midwife came on Tuesday, she came on Wednesday, she came on Thursday. And then she went on holidays and our second midwife came on Friday to do some of uh, the heel prick tests that they need to do here in Ireland to check some some things. But it was all so lovely not having to go anywhere. It all went so well. Like, I know I was so lucky that it was so quick. And, and sometimes very fast births can be quite traumatic for and a lot of mothers can be in shock after it but we we weren't you know the midwives were kind of more in shock I think than we were we were very I was like I I I felt like it was going to happen quickly I still was way quicker than I thought it was going to be my husband was new he was like what are you talking about I knew well it was going to be like that that's why I wanted he was trying to ring the midwife all day and I was like no I'm not in labor yet you know he was concerned (laughs) but um Looking back, we were so happy that we had the baby at home. We would have had a very traumatic 45-minute drive into the hospital. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and with your kids being so sick, that would have that would have just been a nightmare to have a to nightmare. deal with exactly. all that. And all they want is mom or dad when they're sick. Right. They don't, you know. So if we were gone, it would have been all very difficult. So it, it, was, it was so lovely. And I was so happy because we'd had such a difficult two months prior mm-hmm. with the injury, with the leg brace, with me being so busy and it being so hard, kind of running the household on my own, basically, for the two months. So I was so happy that all of the work that I'd done prior to 34 week pregnant and any work that I, you know, emotional and physical and and work that you need to do. 
So I obviously run a business and I have my gym and a lot of people would be like, oh, you know, Emer's home birth sounded so amazing and she's so lucky that it was so short and everything went well and she's so physically well. And oh, isn't that such a testament to all of the exercise that she does and whatever. And it is. But I can't wait to write my birth story properly and and to to write, you know, what I want to say to people, I suppose, is that the physical element to to giving birth and physically preparing yourself to me is probably only about 20 or 30 percent of the effort. Mm -hmm. Like you have to do so much in your mind, within your own mind. You have to do so much emotionally. You have to do, you know, I I read so many books. I listened to so many positive birth stories. I researched. I follow so many positive people online on social media um, and then the, you know and I did my meditation at nighttime and I did my de-stressing activities along with all of the physical work that I do to get the baby in a good position and to keep me as healthy as possible so you know you have to approach birth and and home birthing and whatever type of birth or wherever you want to give birth you have to approach it from all of those angles for it right. to be successful I think you know, yeah, a holistic approach. I have a complete a holistic approach. Um, so, yeah, so I, I was really happy that it went so well because, and if it had gone differently, I would still be advocating it. But I was really glad that it did because now I really feel like I can, in the future, if I do manage to become a doula and be able to support women um, in their own journeys, that I've had that experience myself and and can draw on that experience or that women and other and even my friends can my close friends and family can get can you know get positivity from my story and to to learn things from from my experience so because it is all about that and I think that's what's lost in in today's world in today's culture in today's society society and which is why your podcast is so good you know reaching so many people and that's what we need to do and I attended a few um pregnancy wellness days from local yoga instructors and doulas and and midwives that have organized events like this and they're fantastic and I love going to events like that and I love all the women that come to my gym and the interest that they have in themselves but I often think like how do we get to the women that aren't attending these events yes how do we get to the ones that are it's not that they're being closed-minded but they just don't know yet right they just haven't heard yeah what you don't know you don't know you know, so how how are we going to get the exposure to them to, for them to, you know, have a better birthing experience? Because because we know when you're green to it, we know what can happen when you go into the hospital. And and if you don't know, if you don't have all of the knowledge and if you don't know how to apply the knowledge, what can go wrong, you know? Yeah. Well, I, you know, and I think that your openness, your willingness to share your story with others is that's what that's what we all really need to be doing. Those of us who have experienced it for ourselves and know like, hey, this is a phenomenal choice, you know, uh, really just being willing to to have those conversations. Um, so and, and, you know, so you're on social media. I would love for you to share your information with the listeners because you are one of those positive people that they can be, you know, really tuning into during their pregnancy. So would you mind sharing your Instagram and things like that? Yeah. So um, like I mentioned in the introduction, um, my main business is uh, food fitness fertility. So our Instagram handle is at food underscore fitness underscore fertility. Um, I also have. So if you're in that sphere, in that space, um, that's our main account. And we share lots of meal ideas and recipes and workouts and 
and support through there. But we've also just um, I started a, a baby account. So it's at food underscore fitness underscore fertility underscore baby. So that's our, our prenatal and postnatal angle. And Caitlin and I were discussing before before the, the interview started about how I had so many plans and dreams for this account and time ran away from me during my pregnancy. But I really will um, be putting more work into it. I have highlights there. You can actually see my birth story. So we took some images ourselves and and I have a few images as, as many as we could in the hour that the birth was or the labor was. Um, so I have a, a highlight there called birth story that um, gives a quick summary of our birth story with our third baby. Um, I also have a fitness highlight with lots of workouts that you can do that are suitable um, when you're pregnant. And I have like a food highlight and I have a podcast highlight and some baby tips. And and there's a few posts in there. My, my posts, I haven't had the opportunity to do as many posts as I want to, but I will in the future. So, yeah, that that's um, my social media. And we also have a Facebook group as well and a Facebook account. It's Food Fitness Fertility. You can follow us on that, too. But um, getting that getting getting the information out there and talking, talking about births as natural and as uh, not, not to have it as natural, but to have the conversations and to make people understand that it is a natural occurrence and that, you know, women are, we are made to do it and we can do it. And as you know, as long as we're well and healthy, there's no reason why everyone can't have the type of birth stories that, that, that you hear about, you know, it's amazing. I love that. Wow. Emer, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your, your stories and you're just such a wealth of knowledge. I'd love to have you back on to talk about really to talk about fertility, um, would be amazing. So we will have to schedule another, another interview in the future if you're good with that. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a topic close to myself and my business partners. We really, we're, if you, you know, lucky enough, I have three children, she has a child and we're obviously very lucky to be, um, mothers but we completely understand and appreciate and want to support people in their journey to becoming a mother and know where it starts and again to get the message out there that preconception is as important as a lot of people say okay now I'm pregnant I'm going to be try to be healthy and you're just kind of like you could do it prior and you're you know you're setting yourself up and your baby up for for a way healthier life longer Mm -hmm. term um if you start looking at dietary and 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 lifestyle modifications and they're really simple modifications that you know are really easy to include in your life um that don't take too much and what we kind of want to get out there is that like diet and lifestyle changes actually have the same type of um success rate as IVF when becoming wow. pregnant that people don't know about you know they they just um and we kind of feel and we've seen sometimes people can be it can be a little bit easier to hand over money and hand over the it to the fertility clinic rather than maybe sometimes it's very difficult for people to change their lifestyle. So we wanted to make it as easy as possible and as, you know, th- small things, small tips and small changes that you make on a daily basis that have a massive impact and I- impede and make um, optimize your fertility, I suppose, and make conception a little bit easier for you. And ultimately educate, 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 because I think we're all told when we're teenagers how not to get pregnant, but we actually aren't educated in how to get pregnant. So it's about getting the knowledge and the education out there. Like a lot of women don't understand their bodies. We're not listening to our bodies. We don't have a relationship with our menstrual cycle. We have no idea. You know, 
women come to us and they tell us that they've been trying to get pregnant for 15 months and you ask them how long their cycle is and what are they doing and you know when are they ovulating and they kind of look at you like you've 10 heads and you're like oh (laughs) you need to know this information or it's really simple information you don't have to buy an app you don't have to buy anything you can do it you know all you need is a thermometer and yep to look at your cervical fluid and it's that simple but people think that that that's you know too much work and I think really if we shift it around if we start you know telling explaining to teenagers and expect getting the education in way earlier then I think getting pregnant might become a little bit easier for people wow that's a great point man yeah. okay well we are we're going to have you back on and we're going to talk <laughs> way more about fertility. But until then, Emer, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having me. What an interesting episode. How cool to be able to look into what birth in the hospital and the home birth are like in different places. So I would also like to take this time to just tell you guys who are listening across the globe, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your experiences and to have you on. That's another thing that I did want to mention is I am going to be opening interviews back up probably at the end of September or in October, and I'm just going to have a few days where we do all of the interviews for the first quarter of next year, Um, and I'm just going to start batching interviews in that way, so kind of 12 weeks at a time. Um, So keep out for that. That's another great reason to be on the email list because I will definitely be sharing that information as well. Sorry for that quick plug. Um, But back to the episode roundup. Yeah, how cool to be able to hear how everything goes in Ireland. And then with Emer's births specifically, I just... I just love her her final birth experience. Um, you know, that had to be so stressful with her husband not able to help those last few weeks. I just can't imagine the exhaustion and then to have sick children on top of that. But she handled it like a champ. Um, really, really incredible to hear that. And she mentions how helpful it was that, you know, her midwives were in her home and she was able to just stay in bed through all of that. And and how difficult that would have been to to take care of her kids while going to the hospital. So things certainly worked out in that way. Um, I also want to touch on the final bits of the interview where Emer was talking about um, conception and taking care of yourself during pregnancy and how that you know so deeply influences uh, the next generation. Um, I love Emer's information, and I definitely hope that you guys will, will follow her accounts, both Food Fitness Fertility and Food Fitness Fertility Baby, um, to learn more about that. And we do have some interviews coming up in the relatively near future with more information on infertility and kind of ways to to deal with and manage that. Um, so I hope that you guys are excited for that. And... Yeah, overall, what a cool episode. How much fun to hear Emer's story. She's so lively and wonderful. So thank you guys for tuning in today. If you're loving the show and would love to support it, head on over to patreon.com slash happyhomebirth. I would be grateful for any support. Um, Either way, I am grateful for you guys and love all of you listeners and can't wait to see you back here next week.